0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Recover Everything podcast, where we have honest discussions about everything in recovery and mental health. I'm your host, Chris West. Go to our website and say hello at RecoverEverything.com. Follow us on social media at Recover everything and subscribe and listen to us on all your major streaming platforms, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Tune in, then head over to iTunes to give us a rating. It helps out the podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Corinne Cherick. She is a board certified clinical chaplain, a spiritual psychotherapist, a medium, and a ton more. I mean, this lady is super smart and uh, extremely well-educated. This is a pretty powerful episode, just to let the listeners know. We talk a lot about higher powers. Uh, spirituality in general uh, grief loss family Corrine takes us through her spiritual awakening which involved a lot of loss grief and eventual healing we also do a live medium session uh, because like I said Corrine is a medium it's pretty interesting it's pretty rad Uh, my co-host today is Chelsea Boney Enjoy. Um, welcome to the Recover Everything podcast. I'm your host, Chris West. Co host today is Chelsea Moni.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: And our guest today is Corrine Cherick.
2: Yes, thank you. <laughs> Hello, everybody.
0: Uh, You are a board-certified chaplain, a spiritual psychotherapist, and you have a master's in metaphysics. Correct. That's a lot of stuff. So I did
2: get my bachelor's in psychology. That's right. And and that was the study of the soul. And then on my way to my marriage and family therapist um, education, cancer came. So that detoured me. And after that cancer, I was actually healed of cancer. And so I was directed to do something very different.
0: What, what What did it direct you to?
2: I actually worked as a spiritual medium because I had all these paranormal experiences show up. So I actually worked with people who had who had loved ones who died.
1: I have so many questions. Yeah. We'll, we'll ask one. So, so. Right now? Yeah.
0: We're getting into it.
1: About the medium? Yeah. <laughs> what were some of the things that you witnessed as
2: a medium? So um, as a child, I would have paranormal experiences, like I would dream about someone dying before they died. and. One particular person I remember, he drove us to school every day. And we called him Uncle Pat, but he was not a blood relative. But Christmas Day morning, I said, Mom, Uncle Pat died. This was like fifth grade. And she said, no, he was in church last night. And the phone rang, and he died in the night with a stroke. And so I thought it was my fault. Oh, no. Because I dreamt it. As a
1: kid, you just don't understand.
2: But it was poo-pooed, and I was raised very, I mean, as a Catholic. And so it was not welcome to have psychic gifts Mm. so to speak Mm. so but i had them most of my life but but when the when i had the cancer healing um i had moved to las vegas in 92 with a teenage daughter and so this was 96 i was graduating with my undergrad in psychology and it was a month before finals and when they called to i just had a regular annual physical and they called to say you know you have cancer and we need to you know do surgery so and i said to god In case I haven't been clear, I would like to live and fulfill my life's purpose, you know, in case there's any confusion. Mm. And I came home and I was in a meditation group and I decided to do alternative modalities because they were going to do surgery to remove. There was cancer, dysplasia and other things. And I was guided to do, I want to say about 10 different things. And some of them make absolutely no sense, like smoking something with the Native Americans, Mm um, uh, I did a lot of self-forgiveness, and I did some 12-step recovery on forgiveness. And I did Louise Hay's um, You Can Heal Your Life, hmm. um, specifically for cancer. And I went in for surgery on my 40th birthday, and it was all gone. And so the doctor is getting me prepped for surgery, and he comes in, and he makes a comment like, do we have the right patient? And, of course, my ears perk up a little bit, and they said, don't worry. And he what he did was another biopsy because he, he had done the initial biopsy, and when he looked and it was all gone, he's like, wanted to protect himself. So surgery that should have been an hour was like 20 minutes. So my family took me home and I mean, I didn't know if it was really good or really bad, but when they called and said, you know, the doctor wants to see you right away, there was absolutely not one abnormal cell present anyway. So I had this remarkable healing and I started having dreams like, you know, get involved with hospice. Like the governor told me to get, become a hospice volunteer. And it's like, what was that about? Well, anyway, you said what happened? So within about a year, um, no, two years later, a good friend from the meditation group had died in an alcohol related accident. He would, he would relapse and get in trouble. Well, this time he died and he came to me. And so I thought I lost my mind. I thought Mm. I was somewhat being possessed, if you will, Mm. because he showed up every day. And I ended up going to UNLV's consciousness department where Dr. Raymond Moody was the chair and he's a psychiatrist. And he said, there's nothing wrong with you. You need to get a license and a shingle and start working.
0: You've been gifted. (sighs) What's a shingle?
2: a, a sign, so I started working. actually, what happened was i I told a couple friends what was going on, and one friend he was um, he 's like a spiritual teacher for me david anyway he um he came over and we did a meditation, and he Matthew came in and we just started having this dialogue. David would ask me a question, and Matthew would give me the answer, and I was the medium in between wow. and so it was fascinating and when you asked like what happened, some of the best experiences I had was um, I would close my eyes and go into like an altered state. And if a person believed in, say, Christ, this beautiful blanket of white, like just clouds would roll in and I would just feel this love and I would start crying. And that's how I knew they were probably a Christian because that particular feeling came specifically with that particular religion. But I also had people come who weren't religious or anything. But what happened was the word got out that I was having these experiences and people started knocking at my door. And so the most important thing to me was the parents who had lost children. Mm. And um, you asked like very specific. So being raised Catholic, one person came and their person had died by suicide. And when that when their loved one came to me or through me, and he was in the light, that was a a huge aha for me, believing that what I was seeing was real. Mm-hmm. Because according to the way I was raised, he was not going to be in the light mm-hmm. after he died. So, so that was
1: affirming. that was a huge gift. This might be a weird question. Mm-hmm. Do you feel as though people who might have mental health issues might have untapped uh, metaphysical abilities?
2: Absolutely. If you saw the movies, any of Robin Williams' movies, but the one of, I think it's when he plays a doctor. Or mm. Dreams
0: May Come. No, or not Patch, that. Patch Adams. That's
2: Patch a good Adams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both of those are excellent oh my gosh. movies. So I do think that I think that people I think that, uh, well, since this is about recovery after and work, mental health and mental health, but after working at a treatment center where we've dealt with both um, reco- addiction and mental health, a lot of people would come in who had paranormal experiences, but they thought something was wrong with them. Well, using using drugs or, or mood altering substances that are not that are the lower vibration, like a lower power may not be the thing to do. But and that's the thing I would do to promote recovery and tell you that being clean. Oh my gosh, my abilities are so different now. So it was a huge, like, life changing experience, as you can imagine.
0: From personal, from personal experience, um, since doing this podcast, right, I've been trying to open up myself to to mm-hmm. a higher power. It's it's not something I've ever done before. It's hard for me to, um, sur- I guess, surrender without feeling crazy.
1: Okay. I relate. Mm -hmm.
2: So what I would say, because I've listened to your podcast before today, and I've heard you say that before, and the thing I would say to you, and this is what I would say to my clients, if you think of addiction, drugs, um, as a lower power, we look for a higher power in in recovery. That can be, the minimum I I can say to people, do you believe in love? Can you control who you love and who you don't love and who loves you? That's a higher power. Sure. Um, The nature is a higher power. Music is a higher power. And so anything that – but it's important for you to feel safe and comfortable. So there's probably some things to flush out there, and I'll leave my card. at the end. <laughs> <laughs> But that but – that, Chris, actually, that's what I would wish for everybody is that we each, to me, have an innate inner guidance and inner light, and we need to turn that on. And how you turn that on is up to you, and it doesn't have to be religious or spiritual, but to me, everybody's spiritual. If you have a soul, you're spirit. So how you – bring that about that's up to you there's no one right way
1: so on that same topic what do you think is the difference between spirituality and religion
2: i think religion is more of a shared environment where we go somewhere as a community spirituality is personal you could be on an island totally by yourself and have a total spiritual life and experience so i think it's more personal and
0: um, like imaginative. Um,
2: well, yes. Thinking about the creative juices, think of how think of how unique each one of us is, and if we really told what was really going on in our head at any given time, and I don't care if
1: Oof, I'm a recovering that's scary. Ter- yeah, it's
2: like I'm long in long-term recovery too. But what I used to think, like the magical thinking, well, some of that can happen. That's how we have movies and people who create things, and whether it's music or, or writing or anything, art, everything. Like to me, all this stuff is floating through the universe, and it's up to us to get balanced enough to hear and and let things come in and come through us they come to us and through us and if we don't pick it up somebody else does how many Mm. times do you hear somebody who picked up an idea and somebody got the patent before they did i think everything comes from source and source is good and love Hmm. undefinable undescribable
0: agreed agreed so why why is spirituality uh so important in the recovery process
2: Because most of us have succumbed to many different lower powers, whether it's the energy of a substance or the energy of like um, anger, resentment. A lot of people come, and I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Gabor Matei, but he's one of my favorites. He's Actually, I used him a lot in my dissertation. He believes that um, all addiction comes from pain. Mm. All pain doesn't equal addiction, but anybody who suffers from any kind of addiction or disorder, there's going to be probably childhood wound and pains. And we need to come with a pace of compassion versus the punitive style of treatment we've had in the past, which we're working on a lot and coming forward. But I love his theory. It's all about compassion. You still hold people accountable. He's not like, you know, just to be clear to the audience, like he's very balanced in his approach. Since I've been clean, which is two and a half years off of every possible mood-altering substance, including nicotine, caffeine, any kind, any form of alcohol, even a homeopathic remedy, that what's coming in now, I can go into meditation and get to a place that in the past I did use shamanic medicine. Mm-hmm. I did do a couple journeys where there was the imbibing going on of, we called it medicine, it might be called drugs somewhere else, but that was amazing and that's a little different because there's an induction But where I can get to without any fasting, just in meditation, yeah, I think it releases, I'm not going to say an addictive substance, but I certainly feel the comfort of it. And I feel that more the balance, the peace of it.
1: Hmm. And I think, think, go ahead. (laughs) And I think, I think that's why a lot of people use substances is to get to a place of being able to not feel or feel better or um, kind of remove themselves from negative emotions and these type of practices help us to get to those places without any substances mm-hmm.
0: right would you say that that that's the goal of spirituality is is to mm-hmm. uh, well,
2: well the goal of spirits to me spirituality is is com- being in touch with myself it's really who am I really where's my shadow parts where's my light parts who am I and how can I show up and be here so I've done all kinds of practices and as a as a chaplain we were encouraged to go to all different Um, religions or or philosophies and um, it was very helpful because the basis of most belief systems are similar but then there's also this punitive part there's there's a lot of people who believe in a very judgmental punitive god and i used to and that was scary because there was nowhere to go but hell for me (laughs) (laughs) at least that's how it felt Mm. and my god today i I don't think anybody goes to hell i I hope we come back and recycle till we get it so Mm -hmm. we can move forward back into oneness with everyone else i want to be a dog I don't yeah, yeah. think you get oh, to do that, Chels, but really? I could be wrong. You've oh. already evolved into a human, so I'm not sure you can...
1: Oh, dogs are not part of the same... Mm-mm. Oh, my
2: god! Not according to my understanding.
1: Oh, man. But dogs
2: spelled backward is God, so you know they're amazing souls, so as far as recovery goes working at the center and there were lots of young people, there's something called indigo children and crystal and rainbow. I know children. all
0: about those guys. Okay, <laughs> the,
2: the, the clients would, they couldn't get enough of that kind of information. And like each generation comes in according to metaphysics with a, with a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so why not find out what that is? And, You know, that's why I believe as a metaphysician in numerology and astrology. And that's where, because I asked before I was um, doing my uh, dissertation, I called a couple astrologers because I'm like, can you see in the chart if we're going to be religious or not? She's like, well, you can look in the house of philosophy and there's places to look to see what we're prone to. But it doesn't necessarily say I'm going to be Catholic or anything like that. But it shows where we need to work on. Well, if we're a soul, and this is what I believe, if we're a soul having a human experience, The reason for being here is to wake up as a soul. Mm. If we're if God lives and dwells within me as me and you as you, if each of us wakes up, that's what that's what I believe we're seeing is this incredible shift in this planet. These kids coming in now for the past two or three generations are so full of love. They don't have near as much fear. And sometimes it's hard to rear them because they don't have any fear. But at the same time, you know, all this ADD, HD labeling that went on and we couldn't handle. So I think about myself and I think about my family, they suppressed my gifts because they didn't know what to do with it. Not because they didn't care, because they didn't know what to do. And so I, I look at people who were raised in families where their gifts um, were were embraced and supported, and they've been able to have a whole different experience and their self-esteem was a whole lot higher. So I think mm-hmm. that innately, everybody has a reason to be here, a purpose a gift, you know, a lesson, something to do. And so tapping into that to me is what spirituality brings you to, because religion's going to be like structured and give you, you know, there's protocol with spirituality. It's really up to you. You can have the God of your understanding or the higher power of your understanding.
0: And, there's a lot of faith involved, obviously. Uh, at least in, for me, sometimes it's hard to find that evidence.
2: The sun rises every day. Sure. I mean, we have some evidence, but do you know how that works? like faith to me is like you can have all the beliefs you want but without faith you are right faith is important in recovery faith in whatever that person believes in as a higher power because i can tell you if you even people who come into recovery if they just fake it if they just take the steps their sponsor gives them miracles start to happen or what looks like pretty amazing things in their life we had somebody uh in my experience where they were going to be put on the streets. And I don't know who did it. I don't know who pulled the strings. But we prayed at, at the center in a mm. circle, out loud, asking for whatever was in this young man's highest good. Mm. You know, A place to stay showed up. Scholarship, whatever showed up. Something showed up. And I, as far as I know, he's still clean. We never know when things are going to happen. How did that happen? Why did it happen? I don't know. But I don't need to know. Just like my healing from cancer, I don't know what happened. I can tell you the 10 things I did. But not one of those singly would have possibly made the same thing happen. But I did say to my meditation friends, don't be surprised if I'm healed. And I don't know why I said that. And I think that's the thing, that still small voice inside of us we want to listen to because the clues are there for you. But if, you're not, if we're not paying attention, if we're fogged over for whatever reason, we might miss them. So, so that's the drive to spirituality.
1: So do you think you then manifested some of these things that well, you're discussing.
2: I'm wondering if innately I knew of those possibilities, and so the part of me that had enough strength and confidence to allow them to come forward, because let me tell you, I met a lot of adversity, and I was called evil and a witch and mm-hmm. other things, and it was scary. And because I do believe in past and parallel lives, my neck gets sore every now and then, and the chiropractor oh, can't no. adjust it. And I'm like, ooh, I think uh, one of those hangings is coming back. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> but, but I do I do think before we're born that that we might have this uh, I don't know, because I don't think there's time and space outside of this universe, the same as what's here. It's not linear. So I do think before we come that there's probably some potentials that are discussed or implied or something, but we have free will, and that's how we get to find out what is it we want to do. But what's ironic with with recovery, if especially 12-step, we say if you surrender to God, if you, if you give that free will back to God, you'll end up with more freedom than you'd have if you had not. And that seems like an oxymoron to me, mm. but that is how it works. So what I tell new people is just try it. Just just pretend you have a higher power or they, they pick something, the meeting, the energy, the sun, the sun, music, whatever they want to pick, and watch what happens. And, and some people will have that dramatic spiritual awakening or experience. Other people will have a slow organic process. There's nothing wrong with that.
0: Do you ever notice uh, somebody's spiritual awakening before they do, before the person actually does themselves?
2: I might see some light around them, or I might see some evidence that it's the potentials hanging pretty close. Um, there's one person I'm working with right now that I can say um, I see what's coming, but she has to allow it, and she's fighting it, so she keeps relapsing. But it's up to her. How
0: does she, fi- or how do they fight it? Uh, do they just not pay attention to it? Or they, or they're not doing any spiritual acts, or
2: well. So if we, if I'm stuck in a pattern that's gotten comfortable, even if it's painful, that change is terrifying because mm-hmm. I know what this hell is, but if I go over there, it could mm. be worse.
1: The unknown.
2: Or what Marianne Williamson says, you know, it's our light we're afraid of, not our darkness. It's our greatness. And I can tell you I've had that in my own life. I was healed of cancer in 96. By 2000, I was licensed. It took two years to get licensed here because people don't want psychics in their strip malls, especially if they have a bar or they want to get a liquor license down the road but i worked as a medium for 6 years and i got to see so many beautiful experiences i did not have one person come through that was angry or bitter they might have been non-emotional but nobody came in with a, a like anger or hostility and i had one guy who had killed somebody and he the person he murdered came in and the guy said it was a bar fight he said look if you didn't kill me i was going to kill you and he said what can i do what can i do to make up to you and he said Love your mother. Mine doesn't have me anymore. I mean, that Boom. was amazing. Oh, I got bumps everywhere. Yeah. I did that. And what I want to say to you, like, so in 2002, I was getting remarried. My daughter was 24, having, having a baby all in the same month. So my husband, we were going to get married, become parents and grandparents, like in a week, like he was going to become a parent and grandparents in a week. And um, I was giving talks. I was writing a book. I had spoken at UNLV for Dr. Moody, taught one of his classes. I mean, I felt on top of the world. And my daughter got sick, and both her and her baby died. My granddaughter died at 10 days, and Jess died six days later, and my whole world just imploded. And I didn't lose my spirituality, but I went into an abyss of darkness that I have never known before, and I Well, I won't know it again because I don't have any more children, so I can't have them die. But it was so dark and so scary. And yet I knew, I think, you know, you asked if I maybe manifested. Well, thank God that I allowed that healing from cancer and those experiences that were scary at times. And I would get sick sometimes doing the work. But I knew that my daughter and granddaughter weren't completely dead, that their soul was living on somewhere else. And they would communicate a little bit, but not at my request. I might have been mom here, but I don't think I had that um, mm-hmm. authority wherever they are.
0: Grief plays a part in recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, been, I've heard that people compare getting sober to losing. Uh, mm-hmm. Losing
1: a loved one? Yeah. What are the similarities between grief and recovery, perhaps? Well,
2: what I was going to say is a lot of people have a loss of self mm-hmm. and a sense of self, a loss of time. Um, and part of that can be... We lost who we could have been people, you know, especially if they had like a scholarship for, you know, some, something they were going to be good at and they blew it. They lost it. Mm -hmm. So I do grief and loss is a huge part of recovery. And if somebody stays long enough and works the steps, they will get to that part. And it doesn't have to be necessarily scary. So a lot of us felt we lost our childhood. I used to go to adult children of alcoholic meetings. And that's when I started realizing, first of all, I wasn't alone, that in my town in Omaha, Nebraska, we're all football fans and everybody drinks and parties like a lot it it was just the way everybody was. So when, when we first started looking at addiction, it was like, well, he's not down on the railroad tracks, passed out, he's fine. He comes home every day and does his job. He just, he falls asleep early. No, he's passing out. Well, we didn't know that. So there's a lot of things where people can look and say, I missed my prom, I missed this, missed different events because I had to take care of the younger children. Or So there's a lot of room for loss there. And also the connection to your parents. If the If the mother happens to be the person with the, addiction or mental illness the children if there isn't the same kind of bonding or if there's a not they're not able to be present all the time whatever the reason might be I mean nobody gets a perfect life I don't think I really don't so we all do the best we can with what we have but there's a lot of times that it we suffer but then again as we talked about earlier um, whatever it takes for us to open up and let that light come in I think that's the purpose of being here we didn't come here to have a good time and well, I mean, I want to have a good time too, but I mean, that's not the point of being here. Sure. Let's see how many, how much, how many toys I can get and how much money I can make. That's great. And there's nothing wrong with success, but what's really the most important. And I will tell you as a hospice chaplain for several years, what pe- what's on people's minds when they're preparing to die has nothing to do with what they did and what they made and what they had. It's who they did or didn't speak to and how many, you know, who, who, why didn't I spend that last moment on the phone with my son? Why didn't I say, mm-hmm. I love you? It's not something I would normally say, but I had that urge and I didn't say it. That's what people deal with more is regret. Hmm.
1: Do you think anybody regretted working too much? No? Oh, regret. Yes, absolutely.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what, because we find a way to cope. And so, so a lot of people will become a workaholic. And in fact, Dr. Gabor Matei talks about that. In my research, I looked at the number one cause of death is heart disease. The worst contributor to heart disease is tobacco and I believe it's a million people die a year from tobacco use and it's totally legal and we we Mm -hmm. accept that that's pretty scary and then all addictions will contribute to heart disease eventually depending on what we're doing just based on the strain of the heart or the or the not taking good care of ourselves like like um, proper nutrition or proper uh, balance so just think about if heart disease is the number one killer And most of us who suffer from addiction, we don't know how to identify, express, and feel our feelings. we got to learn how to do that. And like you, when you said about how you get, um, when you try to go to surrender what happens to you, it's those feelings you want to get to the source of. That's exactly where you want to go with maybe help and support because you don't know what's back there. I'm still learning things that happened in my life years ago. And just remember, whatever happened, you've already survived. If anybody out there is like having this memory try to come up or something, because I think about Think about what's happened in our in our in our world, but our country for sure, the last couple of years, with the hashtag Time's up and hashtag me too and mm. all of the disclosure with the churches and abuse. Well, come on, if one in four women have been sexually abused and one in I think it's five men, I, the numbers are probably changed by now. Well, who are those people? There's three of us sitting here who have like somebody's had those experiences. I don't see that many people talking about it yeah. or in recovery. So I'm thinking we're going to have a whole lot more people come forward. and as they, as people get clean, whatever happened in their life is going to come forward. But remember, you've already survived. So 2002, I'm on top of the world, and these girls, my girls die. And it's like, I thought, you, you healed me of cancer and gave me this beautiful life to rip it? Well, God didn't do that. God didn't do that. Circumstances happened. Mm-hmm. And so that the, the quest to find out if I still believed what I thought I believed after they died is what got me really going on this spiritual journey I had been in recovery but not the way it was intended I would go to meetings and maybe maybe have a sponsor and do a few things but I really kind of did my thing a la carte so to speak this took me to a place where there was nowhere to go but up and actually I did a spiritual journey about three or four months after the girls died and this person I had worked with before, and so uh, my, my counselor said, you, "You cannot imbibe. He wanted to do ayahuasca. Okay. If you know anything about ayahuasca, yeah. you usually vomit and get. Yeah. You, know.
0: it is, you purge.
2: So what was suggested was that I could maybe take a little something, you know um, to help. I, I think I fasted for three days and I took a little something, um, but, but the shaman drank the ayahuasca, and I called on the spirit of Lady ayahuasca. And I got to have the journey without getting sick. Really? Yeah. And in the journey, um, my daughter came, and um, she said to me, her daughter's name was Drew, Drew and I did our part, now you have to do yours. And I had three mm-hmm. choices. I could stay and lose my mind, I could leave, or I could stay and heal.
0: Leave meaning die?
2: Die. And I, and I thought, you know, I think I want to stay and I want to heal as awful as it was I mean it felt like a freaking tsunami attacking my it's body it's probably mind, indescribable and soul. It, Yeah, it is indescribable there's no word for parents who've lost children and I think that's why because at least in, in in America there isn't and I remember thinking at this time I mean it was like if I were breathe, my spot, my my counselor would say all I want you to do is breathe and if you feel good enough you know take a shower get dressed mm-hmm. but I was doing way more than that but she would break it down to you I just want you breathing right now and in time the gifts and the experiences that came were profound but it took a while i still held out the last day and i said if you if you're going to do it it's now you got to come back now well she didn't and but we prayed for divine healing well who's to say divine healing wasn't for her to die mm-hmm. it's not my business i mean yeah. i don't know there's a divine order to this universe it's not just
0: where does free will come in
2: we each have free will we every one of us has free will in terms of
0: Where's the line between free will and destiny?
2: Well, some people believe we have at least two or three times in our life where we can exit. And so my daughter had, um, and I I don't mind sharing this, I have her permission to share this from the ethers. Um, She had been pregnant before and she had gone through an abortion, more than one abortion, and she was against abortion and giving speeches about it and then within a year had one here in Las Vegas herself. And I have no judgment about that at all. But what that did to her, it, it destroyed her. And she ended up going through it more than once. And so what I'm going to say to you is that when she, when I heard she could have died, you know, they were surprised she lived past 17. That was about the age. She was, I think, 16 when she was pregnant the first time and went through her abortion. And um, I thank God that she didn't have that baby if it meant she would have died at that time. Neither of us were in the space. What, what we were able to experience, and she was able to make peace with her dad who had died when she was 7, And ironically, I won't go into it now. But there's some there's some parallel experience between her and her dad, and it's like we don't know what's what's after this. We don't know. I believe we're all one, and each family has its lineage and its generational karma or lessons or issues, including addiction and mental health. And I believe mental health, some of it, can stem from untreated addiction or untreated wounds that. That pathology will develop over time if we don't take care of it and just like me i didn't want to die of grief so i delved into spirituality i was reading every book i could on mediumship and past lives and future lives and and traveling the world and, and studying the holocaust and things that meant something to me and um, she had worked with um, dr tremont he's a, a a medical doctor but he also does past life regression and hypnotherapy he's written some books he's here in las vegas um, she had worked with him and after she died he was able to share some things with me so i want to tell you this so my daughter had her 16th birthday and we threw i threw a big party for her in omaha at la casa pizza it's like a great pizza parlor there and they videotaped everybody who came and you know we're mm-hmm. trying to help this kid heal her dad died and she's she's a hot mess she's not happy your daughter, your daughter. And, yeah she's a hot mess and um you know rebelling you know, all the things that teenagers do and there's the two of us and she's got three brothers but we were the, she, that's from her dad's second sure. marriage, but um, just the two of us. And at the end of the video, the per- my aunt, my um, sister-in-law Marcy was videotaping, and she said, Jess, what do you wish for the birthday girl? And she said, I hope I make it to 21. Now, her dad told me he was going to die young. He died at 32, mm-hmm. and then she made that comment. So I think her soul knew that for whatever reason, her contract was going to be shorter. Now, did she help it? Did she Did she contribute? Yeah, of course she did. She made a choice. She made a choice to use, have unprotected sex, which... Guilty, um, you know, but but that's just it. We don't know whose death is going to maybe save another life, and we don't know. In our family, her death actually has caused so much healing in my family. It, it's actually quite phenomenal when I think about it. It took us to a place that we would not have gone to as a family had they lived.
1: Does that make sense? Yes,
2: I'm not saying they died just for that, but I'm saying we can take any situation and make it better.
1: On a different note. With that same comment, do you feel as though people who are in recovery should get into therapy? I mean, a lot of people, there's a stigma around therapy when you're in recovery and they don't talk about it and it's really never talked about, but counseling and that sort of thing, do you think that's an important aspect of recovery?
2: That's a great question because I do think it's it's a personal choice, but I will say this, recovery and meetings are not meant to go into the deep pathology or the wounds of, let's say, sexual abuse or childhood abuse. There's some things that I would not want anyone sharing in meetings because there's sick people in meetings, and until we get well, we're all capable of many things. So I would highly encourage somebody who's considering therapy as as an adjunct or as a, you know, to complement their recovery. Um, sponsors, you know, water seeks its own level. How many sponsors are going to have necessarily? They're going to have a lot of experience and some pretty darn good experience. I mean, the success we have in recovery that I see is amazing but we are not therapists. We we do not therapize as sponsors. I mean, we're supposed to share the light and share our experience, strength, and hope. But I think if more people would take the time to dig a little deeper, especially when they're doing their fourth and fifth steps, that it might help them and it might help them heal. And that's thank you so much for asking that question because in treatment, at the treatment center, we had people who would come back more than once And a lot of times if they were avoiding going into that dark space of whether it was grief or loss or pain or suffering but that's where the miracles are that's where the for me the true the healing the deepest healing comes from looking at my most fearful places
1: is there a certain period of time in a recovery process where you should dive into this type of work or do you think right off the gate no
2: i'm gonna say that um everybody's different and so for people who are new to recovery if you're doing twelve step or any kind of recovery that has sponsors or mentors, you know that's a good thing and and listen. listen in the beginning. And if you have enough wherewithal and you can you can you know feel the difference because they, they say go to like six meetings and then find somebody who has what you want. make sure their feet match their words. And as far as delving, no, I think let it come up organically because at least for me, when I got clean, I wasn't on a hard substance like, I was on sugar, like one of the hardest substances we have, but it wasn't affecting me like alcohol or, or drugs necessarily had in the past. It wasn't, um, um, the word's not coming to me right now.
1: You're not as obsessive and compulsive, maybe? Sure. I mean, I feel like I am with sugar. but <laughs>
2: No, what I'm going to say is that um, sugar was an anesthesia for me, and so I was feeling everything, and just to navigate through that I don't think I could have gone to therapy right in the beginning of that j- part of my journey, but I had been to therapy for many years off and on. But at that particular juncture, I needed to start, I needed to be able to navigate.
1: Mm, and once that- So na- building a foundation. Yeah,
2: the foundation got a little solid. My I was solid with my sponsor. I was clean Once I was clean 90 days and was able to start sponsoring, then I sought out some personal therapy because uh, stuff did come up for me qu- quite a bit, came up actually, yeah.
1: These are the type of things that you work with others on, right? When they're in recovery, um, getting closer to their own spirituality, but also themselves, is what you yes. what you mentioned.
2: Actually, yes. And the other thing that comes to me is um, because when we do our when we do give our steps away, if people want to use somebody other than their sponsor, I mean, one thing that I love, and this is my belief as, as the way I was trained as a chaplain, I have no judgment for anybody about anything. I have worked with people who've murdered people, raped people. Molested their own children. Um, you know, none of that is my business. That's between them and their higher power or God. And so, the most important thing I think we can teach people is self-love, compassion, and self-forgiveness. And I know for myself, after my daughter died, I spent years beating myself up. If only I had taken her to counseling one more time. If only I had paid more attention and not. I was. I was a. I was an active addict, not knowing I was, but I loved her dearly and did what I thought was best. Um, but that beat up. To, doesn't serve anybody and so fear doubt and insecurity regret remorse resentment and those resentments will eat us alive and it's like drinking poison expecting someone else to die so when i found the self-forgiveness about and she came to me a couple times and my daughter um, uh, there was a time she was um, a very rebellious teen and even my friends couldn't be around her because she was so disrespectful to me well that shifted at some point but there were times when I'd be like, who's this green-eyed monster? And bring my daughter back. But I, I knew that that hole in her soul was the shape of her dad. And until mm-hmm. she worked on that, and it couldn't be me because I was too close. So I, I found some therapists to help her. But she found um, hypnotherapy and Reiki. And that's what worked with her. And she made peace with her dad. She made peace with God because she was mad and didn't have a... She, she was mad at God, so she had a God. You can't be mad at something you don't have. Um, and she found wow. her way. Right? Well, you can't... Right. And, huh. Right. So... She found her way back to um, different churches and, and experiences that meant something to her. But I have her journal, and I'm so glad I do because her dad came to her twice in her dreams right before she died. And she's like, Daddy, Daddy, it was so good to see you, but I don't know what you're saying. And I'll share this. I think Chris will really like this one. So right after she died, about two or three months, I was at the um, antique mall, and there was a psychic there. And I said to my husband, I, I want to go. I was begging for any kind of communication or sign, and I wasn't getting anything. And um, So I went to her and didn't say a word. And I and, and she said, what would you like to know? And I said, just, just tell me whatever you get. And she said, well, I see this young woman, and she's talking with this man. And I said, well, how old are they? And she said, well, the man's probably in his 30s, but the woman looks like she's in her early 20s. Okay, that would be the age of her dad when he died and the age of her. I said, what are they doing? And she said, well, they're looking through a photo album my daughter wanted someone to tell you know tell her about her dad what was he like but his death was so tragic that his mom and dad and his sisters weren't able to be available in that way for her and so it made me believe that this woman this woman's a psychic not a medium and but she I believe she's getting really getting a true reading so i said ask her if she knows what happened to drew which is her daughter she said yes and i said how did you know what happened to drew and she said because she came to be with me, when Drew died at Sunrise Hospital, Brad and I drove to St. Rose Hospital, and when I walked in my daughter's room, it was it was so bright in there. I said to the nurse, "Why did you turn extra lights on today?" And she said, "There aren't extra mm. lights on." Wow. Well, I'm I believe that was Drew's spirit and entourage. I believe when we die and you're in hospice that we there's a feeling when people are born and there's a feeling when people die, and it's it's similar but opposite. And I believe that there's more spirits available than we can see. And when she was in the hospital and I would stay late and sleep on the couch in her room, a couple nights I saw her dad one night and I thought, well, it's about time you show up to help, right? Not thinking he's coming to take her away. And then the next time I saw something, my friend came up and she has sight. And she said, um, she said, do you want to know who's here? And I said, yes. My friend Patty was there. My grandparents were there. Don, my first husband, was there. And another aunt and uncle who I dearly loved um, were there. So I still didn't get that they were coming to get her. I was still thinking that they're helping from the other side. But even after um, she died, it, it gave me great comfort to believe that that they were all there with her. And I don't know if you've ever witnessed a death before or not. Have you?
0: Uh, yes.
2: You have. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's definitely an exchange of energy, and not everybody can sense or feel it, but I certainly can, and others in hospice and others who have had people die have shared that with me.
0: So a lot of the stuff you're talking about... Um, Maybe foreign concepts to to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. My question is is how do you introduce somebody to to all this um, safely?
2: What I would say is if you have something coming up, like you do.
0: What do I have coming up?
2: Well, when you surrender, that anxiety comes <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, you have that. So so just pay attention. If something comes up for you to do or see, if somebody invites you to go hear a speaker or, or offers you a book or you or you're on you're you're on the internet or not, a lot, I'm pretty sure. Somebody says something in this podcast that, that sparks an interest, follow that cue. Just look for the cues. This does not have to be, I did not look for any of this. I did not ask for cancer. I'm, sure. I contributed to getting it probably, but I didn't ask for it. And everything that, ha- it just seemed to happen. And so did I fight it? You asked earlier about somebody fighting it. Change, when we're used to something, even if it's, like I said, painful or, or um not in our best interest. It's still what I knew and what was what was common. When I did the first journey before my daughter died, the whole time in my journey, it was go forward, go forward, go forward. And and I would Brad and I went to a baseball game and I caught a baseball in my arm, which hurt really bad. But um, when I meditated on it, it said, you can handle anything that comes your way. And within two years, the girls died. And I'm like, that is not what I was thinking. I was thinking, you know, getting married, you go through relationship challenges and stuff. I'm I'm that person that probably reads too much into things because I think everything means something and I think good can come from anything. But that's how I've survived. So don't wake me up from that. Mm. You know, um, each of us will find our own our own way. But spiritually, so there's a saying: all roads lead to God. There's nowhere else for the soul to go. So G O D, good orderly direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't have an attachment to what God stands for besides unconditional love you know, just goodness, source. So,
0: so you're saying being be open to those sides. Be open.
2: Be open. Yeah. Pay attention. And if something comes up a couple of times, pay really close attention. And if it comes up three times, do it. Mm. <laughs> Listen to it. Follow it.
0: How do you deal with uh spiritual arrogance in, in <sighs> What a good
1: question.
2: I think spiritual arrogance will deal with us. Meaning meaning if I get spiritually arrogant, I promise you I'm gonna have some lessons in my face.
1: It's like and it's like an oxymoron. I mean, and it happens so often. It's like the ego overtakes your spirituality,
2: or we go into spiritual bypass, which which, and i'm not I'm not saying that everybody who does this, but but um, even Dr. Gabor Mata talks about it. There was a time I would have rather gone off and just meditated the rest of my life or you know, thought about being a nun when I was a younger girl or being something different when i was older if if the point of doing that is to escape or avoid life on life's terms then that's not going to be healthy and it's going to it's going to come back if if you're guided to a spiritual journey and somebody might be guided to become a, a monk or somebody that goes away and does something just make sure, you know, just follow your own heart because I'd rather follow my own instincts and what I believe. And if I'm wrong, then let me deal with it than follow what someone else tells me. And that's why it's so important to me that we each find that inner compass inside ourselves. I call it the inner light compass because I think we all come from light. But leave the light out, just the inner. Everybody has a higher self, you know, just psychology teaches us that the superego, the ego, and the id. And I might have said them out of order, but whatever order they're in, our higher self. That to me, if we connect that to source or something we believe in that's greater than us, that's that's a higher power, and if we follow that, that to me is that innate instinct ability to go towards what's best for you on your journey.
0: And and you're you're specifically talking about the self beyond the ego.
2: Yes, I'm talking about right, not the big, not the capital ego that gets us in trouble. I'm talking about ego's a healthy ego. Yeah, Mm -hmm. just that
0: idea of Mm -hmm. me.
2: Right. So. When I first heard the concept that God was inside of me, I couldn't handle it. Not the way I was raised because I'm a sinner. So how in the world? There's no way that God would. And, and I did not do what I would consider these. Well, I did Listen, if you hurt anybody, it's not a good thing. But I remember it took a while. And I think that's because of the addictive. The, the I think what addiction does to the brain because it lies and cheats and steals and it's cunning and baffling. And it wants us, I think it once is dead.
0: What, what do you...
2: Addiction, addiction, oh. and so if addiction, if that whatever, whatever, wherever the the thoughts from addiction come from, because I don't believe they're all our own thoughts. I don't. I believe like it is a lower power, and I don't know if it connects to other lower powers or through the drugs or through the substances. But I do believe that, like it, water seeks its own level. So you know how that works. So if we. If we had all these lower powers, we've, we've got to go to a higher power. Well, that's if, if it's within us, of course that makes sense. So think of, think of addiction like being on the Titanic. Okay. This is my
1: favorite. Is Leo there?
2: Of no. Of course he's there.
1: <laughs> of course he is he's there. there. It's
2: Leo's only uh...
0: there.
2: Leo's the only one that matters. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, but it's like being on the Titanic and the iceberg's there and we're going to hit. And there's life rafts. And each one of us has a life raft, but we can only get in the one with our name on it. You can't get in mine. I can't get in yours. I can't take my family with me. That's how I think of recovery. We find our own life raft, but we have to have our own navigation because now we're off the boat. We don't have it. So think of GPS, God-powered steering, God-powered sight. So you get in your own life raft and you got to tune into your innate compass so you know what direction to go. Now I'm not talking about minor children. I'm talking about adults. So if I look at it that way, it keeps me from getting codependent and trying to fix, save, or rescue anybody because I'm only stop. I'm only thwarting possibly their bigger awakening. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I, it, Steve, I immediately think of uh, when you say GPS and and God. Pretty much, i I've always had this belief, kind of that, like you said, there's a GPS and I'm at a red dot, and over here is. I don't know what you want to call it, nirvana or whatnot, mm. or whatever I feel like success or something may be. And if I make some wrong turns, the GPS will recorrect.
2: That's correct.
0: That's uh, what It I doesn't think. matter what choices I make. Right. There will always right. be a path to whatever I want. It just depends if that's where I want to go. Or how so, long
2: it takes to get there. Right. And you can take the long way. Isn't there a song? The long way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing you said, I do believe that that we can make choices, and we like in our in our charts, there's the north and south node, and the north node is what's new and what we really hope to learn in this lifetime as much as we can. The south is what's familiar. If we keep deferring to the south, we're we're not letting that north come and and move us forward. So there's all this potential. There's just think of the internet. There's all this potential. Think of when you're traveling, you could go, you could go. Through air, boat—well, not always—but air, land, whatever your options are. Sure. Same thing. Can we can we change the destiny? I don't. I don't believe there's predestiny. Like like I have to do this in this lifetime. I believe I have. I get to if I choose to. Like I look at my daughter. Now I look at it like she got to graduate early. When Hmm. when she she came through, and somebody who I trusted said that she was in the light. That's all I needed to know as her mother—that she was back. You know, she was where she was supposed to be.
1: Someone who has a fear of death, what would you say to them? Me, I do too. I really do too. Again, I'll it give you my card
2: 702 Um I had a fear of death, but what my fear was more of living after someone died, it wasn't so much of death, and I think that's because I had um, the healing from cancer and what I got to see. I'm no longer afraid because we don't die. Like, we don't completely die. Our soul goes on, and there's, there's there, like, I called it interdimensional communication. And I wanted to say this to you because when I was grieving, so they died in 2002. I didn't get clean till two and a half years ago. I believe my grief was exacerbated by suffering. Every time I used, I think, I went back down the rabbit hole because it, I was stuck in that cycle. Well, I got, I got clean July 4th and my daughter's birthday was October 3rd. In the week of her birthday, I did a meditation, and her love washed over me, and I have never felt that kind of love before in my life. And I don't know if it was exacerbated because it came from where she's at now or if that's what love feels like, but I have never felt that volume of love from another human being in my life. I
0: can see it in your face. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and
2: who wouldn't want that? So what I found was, the first year, I was worried about the anniversaries because they died in August. They were My daughter granddaughter was born August 9th, and then she died the 19th and Jess died the 25th. And so that month is usually a month I kind of would take time off and go, go away if I could. I don't have to do that anymore. I have not had in over a year and a half one rabbit hole grief experience where I feel like I'm back in that abyss or I miss him so bad. Of course I wish she was here, but I do not my heart. Does not ache anymore, and I think that's beyond a miracle.
0: That is beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Um, I'm curious, I'm gonna ask some medium questions. Okay, I'm curious how the process starts. Like, if somebody comes into your establishment, uh, does it take time for you to talk to them, or does it immediate? Or is there like a click?
2: Nope. Um, so what I would do is I don't want to know anything before someone comes other than their first name and their phone number, so we can communicate. And so they would come and I would have them just sign some paperwork. So when somebody would come, um, I would have them fill out the paperwork. And then the first thing I would do is ask them if I could pray. And I would ask for permission and protection. And I would ask if I could hold their hand or hands. And I would close my eyes and I would go into an altered state. And I would lay down. And it's not the best, but that's how I got it. And they would be sitting beside me and I would just close my eyes. And whatever came, I shared with them. And so. um, Would
0: it be out of line? to try it
1: now. Oh my gosh, I was literally going to ask that. I'm game, because you can cut this right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can- Moderate? Yes. Chris,
2: can I pray on your behalf? And Do you want me to on the mic or not?
1: We can. That would be great.
0: So explain before she starts what we're doing.
1: Okay, so Karine is um, holding Chris's hands and praying on his behalf. Father, Mother, God,
2: Grandmother, Grandfather, Great Spirit, we come before you, and we ask for your permission and your protection, that whatever information you bring forth comes from the highest good, and for the highest good. I thank you for Chris, and I thank you for his life's purpose. And I thank you for all the ripples that he has sent out already. And I ask you to guide him and bless him in whatever way he's requesting at this time. Now, Chris, I know this is going to sound funny considering what we're doing right now, but I feel like there's a vice grip practically around my head. Does that make any sense to you? No. Did you have anybody close to you die of a head injury? No. Or a gunshot wound to the head.
0: Yes. I didn't know him specifically, but it. Am I allowed to explain? You can say anything you want. There, my birthday is on Friday, and I don't celebrate very often because three people have died on this specific day. One was a family member that I didn't quite know. The other was another family member I didn't quite know which was the gunshot wound and then the third was my grandfather who I was very very close to. Uh, so I was thinking about him but they, the other two relate so the, the head injury definitely comes in. Okay.
2: So I'm gonna close my eyes because it helps me not be distracted I keep getting the symbol. Let me just make sure. You know how Native, how Native American pictures show a woman sitting, and um, it almost looks like a,
0: like. I know what you're saying.
2: You know what I'm saying? That symbol keeps coming, and I don't know what that means. Does it mean something to you?
0: It does. Okay. It's, and, a, it's an Alex Gray painting
1: meditative one Huh
2: The other thing I want to ask you is how many times you get surges of heat and energy like that's happening right now Do you feel this
0: multiple times daily Okay
2: Have you ever had acupuncture No You might want to get your chi flowing in the balanced direction You've got I feel like you're about to be reborn Does that mean something to you It does Okay on Friday Like um, an overdue pregnancy. No,
0: yeah.
2: Okay, the the sound that I know you can hear because I can hear it, that has to be familiar to you. It almost sounds like a swing set Mm -hmm. or some machinery. So when you were a child, is this a familiar sound? No. No. How old? So when these deaths occurred, how old were you?
0: Uh, 12, 14, and 17. Okay,
2: so you've got the cumulative grief. All right. So, if something comes to you later about that sound, just write it down. That's information for you, okay? But that we'll sound—that right sound means something. So, Chris, and I know you can cut whatever you want to. Um, what is it you've been resisting?
0: What haven't I been resisting? Is the question.
2: Well, you're wearing a shirt that says a perfect circle, and it's got these beautiful dolphins coming up towards the light, and it's like, okay, what are you waiting for?
0: Agreed. Did you look at my website? No, I haven't. I got it while we were setting up. Okay.
2: It says in there, if you're waiting for a sign,
0: this is it. Hmm. So. There's just so much that I haven't started. So.
2: Hmm. The first thing I would say is if you, do you have any quiet time in your life at all? Do you meditate at all? No. Okay. Would you be willing to just start with a minute or two minutes a day? Just sit quiet. No prayers. This isn't about being perfect, just like recovery. It's it's taking one step at a time, but you don't want to miss this. You were out of the room when I was telling Chelsea that this year is about creativity and stepping into our true selves. We can't play small anymore. It doesn't serve anybody, especially you. Mm. And, and, and I want to acknowledge you because what you're doing with this podcast, what a brilliant idea. And you come so vulnerable and gracefully with it and you're so curious like a sponge so what are you going to do with it all all the stuff you're getting but in that process don't lose yourself don't lose your purpose because hmm. it keeps knocking at your door the other thing that <laughs> the other thing that when i close my eyes i keep seeing a heart and i don't know you must either be in a relationship or one is coming towards you because there's a pretty powerful red heart that keeps showing up so be open don't miss it these gorgeous girls (laughs) one of the things that we can look at because this happens in my family a lot that there's a lot of births and deaths on the same day and i think that there's a reason and numerology can help with that a little bit and astrology um so to look at that That's what I mean about I make more. I find meaning in almost anything. License plates that drive by. There's a meaning if you look at it, right?
0: Does that that make you go a little? uh, uh.
2: Okay. So when I was grieving
0: and I was angry,
2: I kept saying to God the question we're not supposed to ask: Why? Mm -hmm. A car pulled in front of me and it said, "Why not?" (laughs) Wow. Oh, hold on. A couple days or weeks later, whatever it was, I was in the same space. God, just tell me why. The next car that pulled up, why, why not? No way. Two whys. The third time when I saw why, why, why not, I didn't ask why again. Because my agreement with God is three times. If you tell me three times, I got it. Mm-hmm. So I know not to ask that question, but the mommy and me wanted to know. And so that's what I would say to you is, you know, that young man that lost his grandfather and that, this this energy of grief was projected towards your birthday or I mean it's it's there. Find the gift in it. Unpack it. What what's hidden inside of there? Because that to me there's a gift in everything. Right. Even in the most horrific situation. I'm gonna
0: have to ponder that one.
2: Yeah. Well let me give you an example. You know about Anne Frank?
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: Do you know that her father was the only surviving member of their family in the Holocaust? I did know that. Actually. Did you know that finding her diary probably saved his life? No. Do you know how many children have read about Anne Frank in yeah, well, the yes. history of the world? Yes. Look what happened. I'm so thankful she wrote because without that, I don't know what it would have been like for us. So look at
0: that. Let's move back over okay. Are, that, that was good? Keep that. Yeah, because I'm out. I'm out. Okay, yeah. good. I just wanted to be respectful. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. No, no. Wow.
1: To see that from an outsider's perspective, just like looking in, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever, I've ever witnessed, not being a part of, but like overwatch, like looking, it okay. was really cool.
2: I haven't done this in years.
0: Well, thank you, you so was much. The first time
1: in a long time. I
2: had just asked God two weeks ago if I could have my gifts restored, whichever ones God wanted to impart. And it's been kind of Christmas ever since then, with experiences different than this one, but... Experiences. So
1: I was leaving the Orleans of all places a couple of years ago and I'm walking to the parking lot. This is a true story, by the way. I'm listening. I mean, all tr- stories that I tell are true, but this is a true one. And I'm walking to the parking lot of the Orleans and this person comes up to the sidewalk, gets out of their car, walks towards me and starts telling starts to tell me these things about myself. And about people that have passed, and mm-hmm. my parents, and just so many different things, tells me this information, affirms information, walks back to their car, and leaves.
0: He's just like peace. That's like a flipping Earth angel. What is that? <laughs> that's
1: I, I, a I gift from even, the universe. I couldn't even fathom. Like I've always been into it, but like mm-hmm. something of that nature.
2: No, that's pretty profound. And yeah.
0: Can I tell you a similar story? Yes. Sure. So I ruined a friend's surprise birthday party once Oof. on accident. That's rough. Uh, they had it at a at a hotel. And I was downstairs as I smoked cigarettes. So I was downstairs in the casino smoking a cigarette. And the, the person who the surprise birthday party was for comes walking up with his girlfriend. And he sees me. And his girlfriend is behind me with these eyes like, oh, I can't believe he saw you. Mm. You just now ruined everything. And he's what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, you know, my mom works here. Trying to just come up with a story. He knew. He goes upstairs. Uh, I try to go upstairs. Everybody's mad at me. Just hating me. And justifiably. Uh, Anyways, I'm like, I'm like, "Uh, I'm going to get out of here. There's a lot of tension. So I get in this elevator and there's this dude. Much much older, let's say late sixties, early seventies, and he's just dogging me, not in a bad way, just staring. At me. And I'm and I, hello, and he's just like, it gets better. Hmm. And that's it. And he just looked at like gave me this comforting look of, uh, and he just say it gets better. Has it? Not yet, but
1: I think at that point in time, did you feel better?
0: I did. I felt like uh, it was worth ruining the birthday party to get that kind of connection with somebody.
2: Right. But your intention wasn't to ruin it. Right? No. And so look, a gift came, right? Yeah. Like you left to let them have their feelings or whatever, and not be part of it. And then you get a gift. They so There's a saying that if we knew who walked beside us in each and every moment, we would never, ever fear again. Hmm. And I mean, sometimes sometimes I can see and feel, but not always, but I've learned to just trust and I talk to them, so hopefully they're there. They seem to laugh when I drop things or do something stupid. So,
0: I know this is actually the longest interview we've ever done.
1: Seriously, it yeah. feels like it's been ten minutes.
0: No, no. You told me I need to meditate. Why is that important in recovery and in normal life? In prayer.
2: So I asked you if you did any form of meditation, and what I suggested you do is have some quiet time, which okay. is which is like silent meditation, but just
0: no TV, no nothing,
2: nothing no guide, like i love guided meditation but to just sit and be quiet with yourself it's
0: scary i've tried
2: what's it, what's scary um for you
1: your loud chatter
0: in my brain yeah yeah it's it's not only loud it's not nice
1: mm.
2: okay so you get to talk back to the not nice voices and say thank you not today i'm not buying that because that that's that lower power that's that lower energy stuff that doesn't belong it's lying to you mm-hmm. so the other thing i would suggest for you is some positive self affirmations. Talk back to the voices. Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> you're, you are not alone. I Most people oh, I yes. know, I don't care how strong of recovery they're in or if they're not in recovery and they, t- I don't know any normies. I think there's a few out there. I haven't met them. Well, maybe I have, but, um, but I think I, th- so I'm going to tell you what I really believe. I think everybody has some form of something. So Agreed. even if you're not an addict, you might be a co-addict or the family right. member. And so therefore we're part of that distortion and, I mean we live on this planet, and I think this planet took on addiction and abuse and some other things, greed, some things for all of us to learn and look what's happening and you can you can choose to see the positive things that are happening or you can choose to see the not the horrible things that might be happening, but it's kind of like Las Vegas, people call this sin City, but look at the light in this place. Mm-hmm. look what happened with one October. Mm-hmm. We know how to show up, we might be disconnected and disjointed, and I think That's I so told you my 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 dissertation is called "You Know, Discovering Spirituality in the Abyss of Sin City." Mm. Who who would have thought I was never coming to Las Vegas, Nevada? If my brother hadn't moved here, I would not be here. But the minute I came here to visit him, it was like a magnet pulled me. And we were here. Moved here in '92, and ten years later, my daughter and granddaughter die, And that's my whole. That's my family. My legacy is now over. And I and I'm like, what am I here for? What am I supposed to do? And I thought, as like I told you, being downtown. I, I have such a love for everybody now and compassion, and it's like I get that we can each deal with life on life's terms in whatever way we choose. We can you know, succumb to some form of addiction or we can channel it some other way, but all of us, I believe, have creative energy and, and, and gifts that we can bring. And so what I suggested to you was the quiet time because whatever you're, you're resisting, I promise you, after the chatter of the not-so-good information that's trying to come through, is the truth. And something or some, you know, something, some force doesn't want you to get to that. And I don't know, like some people believe in evil or I I don't personally don't. I believe in darkness and light. And if whatever that is, it is, I don't try to define it anymore, just like I don't try to define God. So I just choose who I serve and who I hang with and -hmm. who I open up with. I'm, I'm careful about that. Um, because I think there's there's movement. There's enough for everybody. There's more than enough for everybody if we all work together.
0: I completely so agree.
2: I just want you to find your part if you're willing to, and mm. and the quiet time will bring you closer, as close as I know to anything. And the fact that you don't have an addiction is, from what you're saying, is awesome. And so, oh, you, I'm sure
0: I got something. Well, you might have <laughs>
2: something, but whatever it is, are you like if you want to go forward, it's like you want to do it harder. You want to go the long way or a different way. So try the different way and see what happens.
0: And the different way would be quiet time.
2: Start with a quiet time and let let that higher self come forward and let you know what it is. You could be doing.
0: So I think you answered my question. Why is meditation? useful in recovery and it's it's accessing that higher self
2: so it's it's accessing the higher self and just as importantly it's the body going into homeostasis so we learn to get out of that fight or flight because some of us who come into addiction we come from fight or flight from our whole life or most of our life of survival that definitely resonates with me so if you want to be healthy and if and if can you feel that
0: yes
1: can you feel that energy just take it in she's doing energy healing
0: oh yeah i I was gonna ask what reiki was
1: that is
2: nice it's an ancient healing energy and when i so that's a good that you asked that it'll bring the mediumship in just a little bit so when when i started working as a medium people came from all over and um this one woman came and i was giving her a session providing a session and I would instinctively put my hand. If the person who died had a heart attack, my hand would go to my heart. So I was just instinctively instinctively doing that. But if the person sitting with me, if they had a stomach ache, I would feel their stomach ache. Now maybe I shouldn't have, but I did. But I started doing this, and the person was a Reiki practitioner. She goes, "Who gave you Reiki?" And I said, "I don't have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't know what Reiki was." Well, it's supposedly an innate ability, like what they claim Jesus had as for his healing, and so we all have that. Think of a mom when, when the, you know when a child gets wounded, what's the first thing we do? We kiss it and mm-hmm. we touch it. It's that kind of energy, but everybody has something inside. yeah.
1: How do you feel trauma is transpired through generations?
2: Okay, um, A good example would be in a family where there's been an illness or a death of a child. And if the parents survive and make it through that, whether they're together or not, If they're overprotective of the other children are always afraid, you can't go on the circus, you know, you can't go to the circus, you can't go on the merry-go-round, you can't, you know, you can't go in the lake. I mean, that that fear can grip us. But generational, there's there's situations where twins who are separated end up having similar experiences. The same thing with family. So, like in my family, I shared with you about my healing from cancer. The very cancer I was healed from, my great-grandmother died from. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Okay. That's generational.
1: Genetic?
2: Well, they, is it genetics or is it? I know, right? K- karmic, astrology, design. Like, is it? So, was I the one in my family to take on cancer multiple times? Why did I have the faith or the belief to heal? I don't know, but apparently, I, obviously, I did. There's something called the emotion body code, and they can go in and check us. And they can the way they have a way of doing this. It was created by a chiropractor in um, Salt Lake City. But I've worked with this woman and she was able to pull out some generational fear from me. And some of it I can relate to because my father was an alcoholic, my mom was a rageaholic before they got into recovery. So I can see how recovery has healed in my family. And my daughter's another example. Like her dad died in an alcohol-related accident. He was in a car that exploded with him in it. And he lived nine months in intensive care, burned over 30 percent of his body. She comes here, she gets burned. Hmm. It's it's like you watch that you watch something repeat until it repairs but for each family that
1: might be different and to me when we get to a place of peace that's when we heal it so i have i have a question so yeah. i i have an irrational fear of flying and do you think that's generational do you think i died in a past life of in a plane like that's,
2: how does right so there would be that possibility and that's what i was going to say like we don't know what's past life so here so you asked earlier about um sometimes when when you're having a conversation with somebody it can feel like t- time doesn't exist i think that's what outside of this body is like all the time. There's no time. And so whatever happens is, it's just in the present. When we're in the present, it doesn't matter what time it is. So um, when people have fears that make no sense in this lifetime, many psychiatrists like um, Brian Weiss, Many Lives, Many Masters, the author, he talks about how he would talk to a client and she has no knowledge. She's never learned French and she starts spewing French. Well, it was from a past life. So there's so much to explore. And if you're just open and curious, because I don't think the God that I believe in, like, well, if you believe that, you're going to go somewhere else. It's like, have fun with it. Let it, let it. let it be interesting. But family-wise and what we were talking about earlier, and even like with addiction, I just know that those of us who wake up and go forward and are of service and find a way to navigate in this world, as best we can we end up having a life i'm having a life i never dreamed of i never dreamed in a million years i would have this kind of peace and joy and my only child was no longer on the planet Mm -hmm. so i know in my family my great-grandmother on my mom's side died in a mental hospital and her husband had died young like mine did and her daughter died at 23 Mm -hmm. almost not exactly the same situation but but some parallels that was one of my determinations i don't want to die in a mental hospital of grief because I, because I chose to not feel it. And I tried every which way to not feel it. I mean, I ate my way through the first six months and gained like 35 pounds. That doesn't work. So what I'd say to you, like, like give this life your best shot. We don't know how long it's going to last. And I want, I want to see us. I heard that we have passed critical mass as far as the ascension process as spiritual beings here. Let's go. Right. It can only get better. Come on, folks. There's so much more. And to have that in this life, I mean, huh.
0: yes. No, no. Where'd you go? Because you just got something else. No, I'm, I'm thinking about all, I'm trying to put, I'm trying to make connections between all the stuff you're talking about, between lineage and uh, creating a higher power and, and the, the medium um, session you just did and where I'm sitting at this specific time right now. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to connect the dots.
2: How does it all tie together? You know, I was thinking about that.
0: How do I be open to it and not, and try not to feel uncomfortable?
2: Well, feel uncomfortable. Vulnerability is be uncomfortable. Be vulnerable. Be uncomfortable.
0: Well, again, and you talking it. about being in a mental institution for grief. One of my my biggest fears is going crazy, mm. and and signs are a part of that. Meaning, I try not, I try hard not to put too much energy in signs, because it makes me feel crazy.
2: We are innately born with a desire towards the purity and sacred. Well, what does sacred mean to the mass
1: mm-hmm.
2: people on the planet? It doesn't necessarily mean religion, but we have, like people say, you know, if you're atheist or agnostic, you have no morals. Are you kidding me? Of course they have morals. Everyone has their own belief systems, whether it's philosophy or something like a specific religion or metaphysics or or nothing at all. But, but there's people who, um, did you see the movie Bridge to Terabithia? They lived exactly what I'm talking about, Now I know they were younger children, but they let their imagination run, and they got to have these amazing experiences, and who knew what was going to happen. I'm going to share something because it just popped in my head, and I have to be careful for confidentiality, but I've worked with families before where there's been something that happened to a, pri- a prior child, whether they died or had a very serious illness, And when the next child comes in, when when someone has a miscarriage, the next baby that comes in, they they call it a rainbow baby. Well, that baby's job is not to save those parents or fix their grief. They're to have their own life and their own experience. And so when something happens and someone comes after, if the parents haven't healed or gotten some kind of help, what's the chances they're not projecting a lot Mm -hmm. of fear and stress on that next child or the next children? And that's where and that child doesn't get what they need. And, and the parents, it's not that they're doing it on purpose. They're terrified. My God, I almost lost one. I can't, I can't imagine losing more than one child. I only had one. So I, I would, my heart goes out and that's why I do what I do. And that's the other thing I'd say to you is like, I think from what you said to me when I shared in the beginning that like there's, it's unimaginable, the grief when a child dies. That's true. And I, I really didn't know how to navigate. And if I, I I would love to do a book just on all those experiences I had when I was hanging on by a thread and begging God, just give me a sign. Listen, if I'm crazy, don't wake me up. But mm-hmm. I, I don't feel crazy and I'm not I, I'm telling you, I don't, but I know what it feels like to think I am. And and it helped me and kept me going. And if that's if that's all it did, if it was all in my head, leave me alone. It got me where I needed to go. And now I'm so so I didn't tell you this, when when um, I decided to become, so one of my best friends lost a daughter as well, and we got involved with compassionate friends, and neither of us, I wasn't in recovery at the time, so we were eating cookies and, you know, people were drinking to come, we we're all in so much pain. Well, her and I became um, best of friends, and um, she said, you know, you I was already working as a medium, well, I couldn't do that work, the only person I really wanted to hear from was my daughter, so if somebody came, I'm sorry, I I would want to help you, but
0: Not in the right. I
2: wanted to hear from Jester Drew, so I didn't do that work. And she said, "Why don't you become a hospice chaplain? You already do that kind of work, and now you've had this experience." Well, it was so painful, but I I thought, you know what? I'm going to try. So I found that's why I chose metaphysics um, to become a minister because then I had to get my master's so I could, you know, go to clinical pastoral education. So the CPE classes I took were at Sunrise Hospital. That's where my granddaughter died. My first solo was what's called a fetal demise. Same exact situation. Unwed mother, baby girl dies, grandmother's the primary support. And I'm sent to, I'm sent to be the support for them. And I said to God, I went to the bathroom first to pray and that's why I pray in the bathroom. But God, really you think I'm ready? And I honestly, I didn't know if I was going to make it through, but I prayed and I asked for the wisdom and I asked God to direct my thinking and and please use me and speak through me. And I went in there and it was like I did it. And when I left, of course, the chaplain, the head chaplain was waiting for me, and he knew, they thought I was ready, but he knew if I wasn't that we had to find that out because they couldn't risk me being on call at night. And it's through walking through that fire that I got to the other side. And more. And things like that happened often. In fact, when I interviewed for the, the chaplain position, um, the, the head, the first person said, I, you know, I, I couldn't stop crying because it was at Sunrise Hospital and, he, and I told him what happened and he said, look, we don't have a problem with your tears. Your tears are welcome here. Well, then when I met with the the, the founder and the supervisor, he said, Corrine, your heart's broken. At least I know it's open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I
1: love that. And it
2: was through that. It was through those experiences and then going to hospice for those several years and then to the treatment center, like all this full circle thing happened and here's a good thing. So, um, Uh, I went to LVRC's family program in 2007. One of my dear friends had um, tried to overdose, and she was going through one of their programs. So they allowed four of her friends to come in as her family because they knew her family lived out of town, and we were her closest support. So I'm there at 2007 as a participant. And in 2017, I'm invited to be a facilitator. That's a perfect circle. Wow. Just like what's on your shirt those kind of synchronistic full circle experiences happen all the time if we allow them Hmm. and are willing and that was talk about an honor and a privilege and knowing that when my dad got sober we didn't go to a family program and i was resentful about that well you know what maybe i wasn't ready and, and i this is the thing i believe i believe that everything happens for a reason and i wouldn't trade one moment to be right here right now with you two not one thing, and that includes my daughter and Grant. Like, I can't change one thing and change this moment. So why would I? Yeah. And that's where acceptance comes in.
0: I think on that note, we're gonna we're gonna stop for now. Okay. Uh, will you come back?
1: I know, right?
0: Because yes. I didn't get to half of my questions, and it's not that I the have interview another question. Yeah, it's not too. that this interview went went bad or anything. I just I have other questions, and this went beautifully, and organically in a certain way right
1: absolutely I'm eclectically <sighs>
0: yes i, just, I would I, love to i would love to have you back on absolutely where can people find your new
2: at grace i i want to say this it with all my heart i do have grief groups for bereaved parents and i do spiritual counseling as well and i would help willing to help anybody and so yes of course i charge but i would work with anybody if that's what they need to do so
0: so that website again is?
2: Gracefromgrief.com
0: Thank you, Corinne. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, so Thank you Chelsea. Beautiful.
1: Thank you both. Namaste. Namaste.
0: Have a good day.